I don't even remember how we start these. We should maybe listen to part of it. Well, I'm going to start it with that now. (laughs) Okay. Okay, I think we should just go straight in and say hey to our listeners. And welcome to our Tart Talk. Welcome. It has been well over a year closing... I think we're closing in on almost two years. I think we decided it's 22 months. 21 months. Well, I know that, I don't know when Pop came out, but I know that I was in Cleveland when we recorded it. And I was in Cleveland for Valentine's Day 2021. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it's been February 2021 to almost December. November. It's been a while. It's been a while. Well, anyway, yeah. welcome to finally our Tart Talk on All That You Can't Leave Behind. This was our only job for 2023. And I, I'm, I'm not sure I did a very good job of it. I'm not sure I did either. But I have a lot of reasoning for, behind that. Like, I did a whole lot of, you know, mental analysis on myself. Right. Right. While preparing for this app. Um, right. So this was going to be in two parts. We'll do a side A and then a side B. I mean, we're going to record them back to back, but they'll come out almost a month apart, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So you'll have to wait for the next one till later in December because we have some other exciting things going on and the band's coming back on tour. But we are going to go song by song for all they can't leave behind. We're going to start with some fun facts yes i i, I have you have it. some and i have some yeah this is the funnest fact actually I'm okay right off the bat with this so originally this album was going to be called u2000 because huh. it came out in 2000 yeah but that also was the working title of the tour that was going to go with the album pop Oh really? Yeah. It it turned out to be what? you know Pop Mart. But yeah. the original the working title of Pop Mart was U two thousand. Yeah, I so I got and I have her all of our recent <laughs> for the past two albums or so, I've gotten a lot of information from Wikipedia. So I can't vouch for that source, but I feel like a lot of people must have read that, and if it was incorrect, it probably wouldn't be on there. Right. Interesting. It's not incorrect information on Wikipedia. There is, but I don't think it stays on there long. Because I'm sure they have someone checking that stuff. <laughs> Maybe. I'm giving them a lot of credit for that. I mean, if I saw something on there that I knew was absolutely incorrect, I would, you know, make a comment about it. Right. I don't know how you do that. I've never done it. But I know that you can ask for a reference to be cited or something right and i mean if there was something on there that i saw that was absolutely incorrect i would i would totally do that so right, a thousand percent yeah yeah so maybe this is one of them but i do feel like i remember hearing this before like this yeah. is this was not brand new information to me but it was a very fun fact yeah that is a fun fact yeah okay so the album came out on october 30th 2000 it was recorded at 
HQ in Dublin, Windmill Lane in Dublin, Westland in Dublin, Totally Wired in Dublin. And it just says South of France. (laughs) Right. It, It. there's no like south of France and then France. No, because I think it's just <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's just south of France. The singles were "Beautiful Day" that was released on October 9, two thousand. Stuck in a moment that was released January twenty nine, two thousand one. Elevation June twenty fifth, two thousand one, and Walk On November nineteenth, two thousand one. Cool. So, what what are your fun facts? Um, I have some, and these are fun. I I dug up an old propaganda issue and found this in there. It went to number one in 32 countries. In the U.S., the album produced record opening week sales for YouTube, 428,000 records in the first week. Uh, their last album, which would have been Pop, sold 347. Thousand, so 428 versus 347. That's a big difference. Um, it came in at number one in the UK. I think it was number three in the US. The super fun fact here in the UK, it was U2's eighth number one album. The only groups that have done more are the Beatles, Rolling Stones, ABBA, and Queen. At the moment, they were at that moment they were tied with Led Zeppelin. Not too shabby. Too shabs. It sold. This is interesting. I guess America's bigger. So I said it sold 428,000 the first week in America. It sold 164,000 in the UK. While Pop only sold 152. And the best of, which came out right before, sold 140,000. This was their plan with this album. Was to let go of the electronics and, and even though they didn't but to let go of the um obvious electronics be able to hear the actual band and do a rock record so i guess people were really excited to hear that and they went and bought it yeah which is great well i mean i think that it didn't hurt that first single release was beautiful day which is i mean I, probably I, one of their catchiest songs ever. Oh yeah, I mean it's, it's iconic. Not, yeah. Like, not just not just the, you know, being iconic it is, but but just to me, I mean, we'll you know get to this in a minute, but I always say the pop song, the the one song that they seem to write for the radio on every album, which yeah. is you know, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Discotech, prog. I mean, the, those songs are made for to Radio. hit the charts. Right? Yeah, they're not usually my favorite songs. Right. Because of that reason, I don't like people telling me what to do. Exactly. But I gotta say, "Beautiful Day" has gotta be one of the catchiest singles they've ever released. Right. And um, it's also really good. <laughs> it's really not good. only catchy; it's really good. Yeah. It is really good, but for for the same reason that I that it is good, that's why I didn't originally 
like it because it was right. just like in my face. This is what you're supposed to listen to. And I'm like, but what about walk on? That's what I'm supposed to listen to. Anyway, we'll get to that when we get to the tracks. So I think that there was, I think there was a lot of luck involved with, I mean, it, it's a pop rock album, which is what they needed, but I don't think it's, it, it was the perfect formula. Like what I learned from this research for this app, it's not the perfect formula for a successful album. No, but it was a good formula for successful sales. Absolutely. But I think that I think that there was some luck with the success of all that you can't leave behind or timing or some randomness that doesn't quite add up to me. Personally, pop was a commercial flop. And then they did Million Dollar Hotel, Jubilee 2000, flop, flop. And I don't know that that was on the public's radar, though. No, but they it it wasn't. This is why I'm saying I'm not sure what there's some randomness to all of this, because it wasn't like, you know, the public were like, oh, everything you two have done has been a flop. We need, you know, we're oh, we're looking for success. Fans were. Right. But, you know, and honestly, and we'll get into this a lot more, but Bono's voice was just not not great. So I feel like the odds weren't really in their favor going into this album. Um, And I think, honestly, I mean, all that you can't leave behind to me, in my opinion, you know, pop is as good or better, probably better in my head, in my heart. So there is some randomness, I feel like, that it wasn't a done deal. Like, there's no way that they left the studio and said, this is it. This is going to be a great album. Like, I just feel like maybe they did, but, you know, it's your album, so you you probably have different ideals. But to me, on paper, it doesn't look like it would be a runaway hit. No, I'm going to say it's not an accident because of their marketing. Yeah, they were marketing about getting back to the U2 sound, they, they back were. to the four person band. Beautiful day was fucking amazing on the radio. Like Bono's talking about reapplying for the job of best band in the world. Right. Like and they did. And people wanted it. They want U2 back. Right. But but I think that 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 was you're right about marketing. I don't. I think that still if you take it like. Whatever, you know, you say the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. I don't agree with that with this album. The parts, no, I... the parts are better than than the whole. But I, I think because of that, it's not, it's just, I don't think it was an obvious runaway. And it did, it, it was a runaway. Yeah, and it's so interesting. I was really intrigued about getting into this because so many people, this is their Inception album. Right. Like this is the album that got oh, them into their band. And it's absolutely. funny, it's usually either boy, well, it's almost like every other, right? Boy, War, Joshua Tree, Octum Baby. Right. Skip pop. And then it's like all the Hentley's behind. Like when I hear the stories of the people going to Vegas, a lot of them, their first shows were pop. But was it their first album? 
I don't know that, but I know that the first my first shows were pop, but Oxen Baby, not your first album, yeah. right? Um, so I I read a, you know, again Bono's voice is extremely scraggly. That's the best word I can use to. It's yeah. it's like the edges sound like cigarettes. <laughs> just mm-hmm. it's his voice is just surrounded by scraggly um it's broken <laughs> yeah it's yeah and so Bono mentioned that he went and and got a allergy test and the doctor that gave him the test kind of laughed and said luckily you're from Dublin because you're really allergic to desert weed and he's like well you know they started Pop Mart which I remember his voice being amazing in Vegas for Pop Mart. I didn't think his voice sounded bad at all. But right. also, it was my second show and I didn't listen to the nuances like I listen to now. Right. Well, I've heard per, like post show interviews with him on Pop Mart and he could like barely talk. Yeah. Yeah. But I just kind of want to laugh and say, you idiot. You like spent half your career in Las Vegas. Like, <laughs> well, now they're like, just, I'm like, now they're ta- preca- they're taking precautions, precautions. But, but it still just made me laugh the doctor's reaction well at least you know you're from dublin but so my my question and i mean i know the answer but i guess my question about it over whiskey and cake is would you ever think about re-recording this album because i think with his current voice this album would be amazing massive i mean just everything we've ever wished for <laughs> could right. come true if they re-released this if they re-recorded and he could put like bono's version at the end of each song <laughs> yeah because i mean it has the album obviously has legs it's just doesn't walk very fast right <laughs> that's my deep thoughts about i like your deep thoughts before we get into more deep thoughts, can we talk about our drink? Yes, I was just about to say that when I said whiskey and cake, I wanted to go like that, like put an <laughs> asterisk, like let's get to that next. So yes, our drink, you, you invented the title, so do you want to talk about it? So we always have a themed drink to go along, makes things a little more interesting. Um, for Oxen Baby, we had Baby Guinnesses. And um, what did we drink for Pop? Uh, champagne and ice cream. Champagne and ice cream for Joshua Tree. I think it was something initially called the Prickly Pear, and we renamed it the Joshua Tree. Yes. I think it was gin, which surprised us. Was it? I thought it was tequila. I mean, it was tequila. We had gin and something. We did have a gin drink that was amazing. What was, was that, that for Zuropa, maybe? I don't remember. But this is called Wild Honey. And it's bourbon, honey, and lemon juice. Yes. Yeah. Delicious. It's delicious. And we're going to keep drinking them and Do see well. where the night takes us. Cheers. Slancha. L'chaim. Slurp, slurp. Okay. Ooh, good. So I had to laugh a little bit at Bono's expense, which was not fair. <laughs> because when we think about Bono's dealing with the question of mortality, we think about songs of experience. Right. Right. 
Well, it turns out it's this whole album, too. <laughs> so there's a lot, a lot, a lot going on in this album. I had no idea how personal this album is to Bono. No idea how much these lyrics and everything are so him. I have this huge bullet point list of things happening. The Irish peace process is going on, succeeding, and then nuts. And then there's a bombing in the middle of this process. Before Bono got to the allergist, he secretly went to an ENT to have his vocal cords looked at, where they found a mass that they then needed to go in and potentially biopsy, get a look at, at it. And if he did need the biopsy, get a biopsy of it, it would mean surgery, which would mean he wouldn't be able to sing for three months and also potentially cancer. That's the mortality thing. And then they found out it was allergies. Didn't he had, he had just found out that Allie was pregnant? Yeah, this is on the list. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> his dad was recently diagnosed with cancer. Michael Hutchins has died. Allie is pregnant. He is working on Million Dollar Hotel. And he kind of got roped into the Jubilee 2000 thing for more than he bargained for. So all this is piled on top. Actually, the Jubilee 2000 and Million Dollar Hotel, I think, actually helped the band get shit done while he was gone. Probably. (laughs) But all these other things. He's worried about his own death. He's worried about his dad's death. One of his best friends has just died. There's like the most... Deadly bombing in Ireland has happened. Like, this is a lot. So I'm like, where's this mood on the album? Because right. I don't hear it. Well, we'll get into that. We'll, we'll get into that. So I have part of my deep thoughts that I was just kind of talking aloud to my parents about earlier. And I think that, I don't know, I, ne- I never, ever was super into this album. I mean, I think that my emotions are all weirdly tied into it, but I think that I got distracted by a lot of other shit going on that I either, you know, didn't care that much or just kind of glossed over the weak parts of the album, I guess. That I just was like, yeah. So three weeks before the album came out, my grandfather died unexpectedly. And that was, at the time, the worst thing that had ever happened to me by everything. I mean, that was a horrible, horrible time. I had a difficult job. I was living in a different state. I I had a lot on my shoulders. And then, you know, the album came out and then I I was super sick. I had shingles, which was a nightmare. And then 9-11. And not... I went on the first leg, the first U.S. leg, I went to, oh, I only went to three shows. Yeah. And two of them were really not great. And I, I emotionally felt kind of, I don't know, done with. Yeah. You know, because of those shows. Just one was just not great quality and the other was just not a great feeling. And then there was a really good show in the middle of that. But I just felt like kind of just bruised and battered and and it was just a really horrible time and I think that after after Bono's dad died after 9-11 that kind of drew me back in like I just had a whole lot more compassion yeah for everything for everything yeah. 
in that time. And it almost made me, and plus those shows were so good. The shows after 9-11 were oh, so yeah. amazing that I think I just glossed over what I didn't like about the album until now. And then yeah. doing the research, I just realized, you know, realized how everything was so emotionally attached. It just kind of made me realize, you know, what my views of the album are. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. I mean, um, it was a, but I mean, for everybody, you know, like, yeah. whatever I've said, the past three years of my life have been the worst three years of my, my life. And yeah. everybody else's has been pretty awful, too. I mean, things yeah. look like they're turning up, but, you know, the, it's just been a really rough time. So it wasn't me. It was we were all going through crappy shit. And it's all just relative for each person. Yeah. I don't remember hearing this album for the first time. I don't. I'm When I think of this album, I only think of the tour. Yeah. It, I went to more shows than I was like, I got to make up for lost time. I went to more <laughs> shows than any other tour. And so um, did you see on this tour. I saw 20 shows. Wow. That's more than I've ever seen for a, a single tour. I haven't done anything like that since. But just like every weekend I could, I was somewhere. I mean, yeah. I was single and have any kids. Like, I had a good job. I was paying. I could, I, every weekend I could go somewhere, yeah. you know? And plus, shit wasn't so expensive, especially concert tickets. But, and I, and I mean, and those shows were just fun. I was with friends and people and, I don't remember this the song the music. It's not fun like I mean these I have songs. A, I don't I I do remember hearing these songs live, but I was doing it because I could, not because it was the best album of all time and I needed to hear it. Right, right. I remember there are a handful of songs that I remember my the first time I listened to it. For some reason the one that is um most vivid to me of my first listen so weird is wild honey that i and i forget about it like when we were you know i'm like oh the next song is gonna be nope (laughs) like like i did that a lot like i don't know the order of the album by any means yeah you know where i mean i can recite you know side a and side b of almost every other album right and i have no idea And that might be, this is another thing that I I have issues with. I don't like the the track listing. I think the order is just awesome. Mm. And I mean, there are plenty of U2 albums that have a super weird side B. But this one, to me, is the weirdest. I mean, it's obviously designed for an A side and a B side. Right. Where I feel like most, you know, modern albums weren't designed like that i mean there's they're not designed because people don't listen to them in that kind of side a and side b this is definitely a side a and a side b for sure the albums that i first listened to on cassette joshua tree and um to some extent octon baby but i mean i got that originally on cd but i didn't have a cd player in my car so i put (laughs) it on cassette and that's how i listened to it mostly in my car and so, you know, those albums, you know, I got the side A and the side B. Like, that made much more sense. This doesn't make any sense to me. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. It's 
I don't know. I think the whole thing is sense to me. I think the whole thing is strange. Yeah. And I do think that coming off the heels of my pop experience, I knew that the, you know, listening to it for the first time, I knew that I wasn't going to understand the songs at all until I heard them live. Right. Which, like, I feel like for Songs of Innocence, Songs of Experience, like, I enjoyed the albums before the tour ever started. Absolutely. And, And I didn't... I couldn't quite say that for pop and I yeah, I couldn't quite say that for pop and I, I can't say it for all that you can't leave behind because I mean I don't know. I don't I didn't have any idea I was gonna go to as many pop shows, but I knew I was gonna go to see a live show, at least one. Right. Two. I knew I was gonna see two. So I kinda had that in my head where even though obviously I knew that for, you know, songs of innocence, songs of experience too, but those albums were just more tangible to me. It was like oh, something to so like much so. I also kind of feel like, even though this may surprise you, but you and I and Bono are aging at the same rate. <laughs> I almost had bourbon come out of my nose just then. No, we're and not. Age, but the age gap, while numerically is the same, is mentally getting smaller. Yeah. And I feel that we relate more. Yeah. To certain things. While... I couldn't re- I can't relate to this. I don't I know. There's plenty of stuff I can't relate to. I just I just mean with like with experience, like songs of experience. Kind of, like I don't know. I get that. Um, I I think you're right. And I mean, and we know him better. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to move on to? I songs? do. We we could do this forever. Yeah. And we, and we will. To... We've got a lot of road ahead of us. Oh, but... Do we ever? Yeah. Okay. Track one, side one. Beautiful day. Beautiful day. It's been played 651 times, which is up to date. I put these numbers in a year ago, and then I had to update them. (laughs) Nice. Good work. Good work. Thank you. How many times have you heard it? 43. 46. Okay. So I have a totally different vibe about this song than I ever have since Las Vegas. Yeah. It, it's so weird to me because when I was listening to it, I'm, you know, I'm just like, this is just like an obligatory listen. And then I got chills and I'm like, no, it's not. My heart, my head has yeah. just totally been turned around since. And it's, the, it's the visuals from Las Vegas. Yeah. It's, that's what did it. it mm-hmm. But I have a to- and I have chills now thinking about I it. Also, <laughs> but I I had a, such a different reaction to listening to it, and it really was like okay, beautiful day. And then I'm like, <gasps> <laughs> I remember. But I've never had a reaction. I promise you. Like again, great song, love the song, but because it was the first single, it sits weird with me, which is just. What happens? And I've right. talked about it every single Tart Talk we've done. I've mentioned my aversion to the, the first, first single. single. Yeah. And um, may, may, Discotech may have been the exception to that. As it should be. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I have. It's it's different in my head and in my heart than it was before Vegas. So I love that. I I mean, for me, it was just overall just hearing it live i didn't realize 
It's a great single. It's a fun video. Yeah. I had no concept of the power of the song. No, 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 no. no. Live. That whole, like, the heart is a bloom. Like, what a way to start an album. And that Bono looked so amazing. And I'm like, this is his new look. No. <laughs> Piece of crap. Nope. Not his new look. Just oh, for that the video. Song. Yeah, he said something about, because he put, there's a fun, like, behind the scenes quote from him. Because he's got his, like, leather plastic pants on. But of him saying, you know, you put on the pants and the pants tell you what to do. <laughs> Which is one of my favorite things of all time. Yeah. But he said, so I read some, I didn't take notes about the video because we're not talking about it. No, but I he didn't. said something about wanting to, you know, be like Bono times 10 or something. Like he was trying to amp himself up or make himself bigger. His hair was so great. So good. What happened? I, I, I no idea. No. So another thing that really... <laughs> Makes me laugh when when I hear this song. I don't think about it live because obviously live it has a different life. Yeah. Um, but when I hear the album version, I always think about <laughs> being in the shower because I have a, a really nice wireless waterproof speaker in my shower. Okay. And I'll, you know, tell Siri to play you too, so it goes to YouTube Radio, and 100% of the time, the first song is either going to be Beautiful Day or I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Okay. 100% of the time. And I'm not in the shower for that long. I take pretty quick showers. Right. So I don't make it through a lot. I don't usually make it further than Beautiful Day and I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Hilarious. In some order. It must think that you love them because you listen to them all the time. <laughs> I know, but it's like... But they're force fed. I want to say, you know skip like series skip i want to say that but then it's like i gotta yell and just listen to it and it's every single time i don't listen i don't listen to music in the shower every time i take a shower but every time i listen to music i always say i play you too and then it's one of those two songs so i just kind of was, was listening to the you know album version and i just had a little chuckle like shower so a fun fact about this album, it was the it won single of the year at the Grammys. Mm-hmm. Nice work. Um, my other note, I only have one more note. The the lyric, you've been all over and it's been all over you. You can't do that. <laughs> it doesn't work. You cannot do that. You have to pick one or the other. Be American or be Irish. <laughs> one or the other. You can't have both of those pronunciations in the same lyric. Well, he does. Yeah, he does. Well, he I does. I guess he's, he's allowed, but that is another just, I always chuckle when I hear that. I wonder if he even notices. We'll have to listen live. I wonder what he says does live. Note. February. Noted. Y'all are major resources for this besides our own hearts and souls. And in you know, varyingly strong opinions is Niall and Stokes is somewhat skeptical memories. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. Niall Stokes is I, I call it the song by song, but is that what it is? No, it's songs and experience. Okay. Which goes by song by song and YouTube by YouTube, which Neil McCormick helped 
you two put together propaganda some articles and stuff so i've got quotes and things i have no idea where they're from right that's okay take one of those anyway cite your source i'm citing one of those i think this is from edge and he said the mix that we did had the power of shattered metal and i had this image of bono singing about beauty in the mists of flying pieces of metal and mayhem that's fascinating. Which I think is pretty cool. And then it talks about Jubilee 2000, Million Dollar Hotel, Jesse Helms, and Bono in D.C. And like, maybe it's not such a bad place after all. There is hope. It's a beautiful day. Um, <laughs> Edge reached for the explorer, his explorer, and the sound was complete. And then it talks about how they won Grammy, the single of the year. And it, I love this. It, especially talking about the metal flying in the air. It says, there it was, a shimmering triumph. Oh, but that was just some that. nice journalism, nice authorship yeah. there. Yeah. Well, I have, it, it's such a visual song. Like I said about, you know, this song, like, look, re, if you read the lyrics, don't sing it. If you read the lyrics, it just feels like just something so visual, something so you know, tangible, you can put it in your pocket. Yeah, I like that. See the world in green and blue. See, I mean, it, it's just the visuals are just. So someone said that Bono, like thinking about the millennium and working with Jubilee 2000, he'd been watching old clips of the Apollo moon landing Yeah. on TV and this kind of larger worldview shows up in the album and that's like those see the world in green and blue yeah but i um, also love the imagery that goes along with like noah's ark see the bird with the leaf in her mouth after the flood all the colors came mm-hmm. up i mean oh, so it's it's and the whole like the refrain you know touch me take me to another place i mean it's just so big it's huge. nothing on paper no nothing on paper the drums are amazing i love I love the thought that what you don't have, you don't need it now. And what you don't know, you can feel it somehow. That's like this fucking song. Yeah. You can feel it. But then the very, very end is just those little tiny guitar notes. A little tiny. Like it's. It just makes me smile. Yep. There's, I forget who talked about it, but, you know, they were talking about, oh, this is a great first single. You could hear the band. They're talking about getting back to, you know, the four-piece rock band. And this song sounds so simple. I think it was even Larry who was like, there's a drum machine. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I we'll dig into this definitely later, but I don't really think it sounds, I mean, it's, it's one of those super produced albums i don't oh, hear for i don't hear the sound of four guys in a room i like, think I don't hear that by any means oh no but i think compared to say pop yeah oh that's it, true but i i also like usually there's a song on People don't, when they want to hear four guys in the room they want to hear with without you they want to hear streets they, right. and those are all electronically produced songs like so i have to say one of my complaints on every album i'm pretty sure every single album i've said this song sounds like studio yeah like it never got out of the studio trip through your wires i mean they're 
easily. Yeah. yeah. Um, so cruel, which I love as a song, but it sounds like it never made it out of the studio. Yeah, which but I think is nothing, the beauty of it. And I agree. I am not. But it, it, there's something about like the tone of those songs, the sound, like an echoey sound or something. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Even though they're, you know, they're great songs, I, I feel a little weird about them. Like I feel like they're like one step away from being finished. And that's fine. I mean, Pony says, you know, no songs are finished. Right. Stink says that too. Um, but on this album, I don't hear one song that sounds like it got stuck in the studio. Everything is fully produced. Yeah. Even one that they say is super simple and acoustic, it's fully produced. Fully. We'll there's get to no, it. There's no sound of studio. No. Echoey, raw sound. Not on this album at all. Do you have anything else? I don't. No. Okay, well, sip two. My drink is going a lot faster then. Well, I, I have a lot of ice in mine too, so and a lot of just bourbon. <laughs> it's I might have to re-up for side two. Okay. Um we'll see. Okay, so the next song, song two. Woohoo. Um <laughs> what? Song Do You Get It? Song two. That Blair song. Oh. Woohoo. Yeah. Stuck in a moment. It's been played two hundred and twenty-two times. How many times have you heard it? I'm actually looking. I didn't look this stuff up because I did all this most of this research on the airplane. I have Wi-Fi 25 times. Heard it 18. Okay. Okay, so as we all know, this song was written about Michael Hutchinson's suicide. Um, but I don't always hear that. Like I almost forget that's what the song was written about. And my and I I did not do as much research as I should have for the whole album. I mean, there are some places I have more than other. Right. Other, but it's got to be written about something else, too, because I listen, you know, and I follow Bonner's cues and everything, but it's way more than about, than just about Michael Hutchins. And I know that he said that it's also about, or it was said, I don't know where, what, my source was um that it's also about Polly Yates but I yeah I don't I don't buy that Polly except Yates. that her interpretation of Michael's death was different than Bono's yes so I was again I know the meaning of the writing of the song how I'm following it reading the Bono saying that it's like a row between two mates that it's not kind that they're about to get in a fight. Right, right. Makes more sense to me. Oh, I get that. And I get yeah. him I get, you know, him he's mad at Michael Hutchins. And I yeah. mean, I get that. Um but I just feel like there's something else in there that I'm missing. Cause it doesn't sound entirely, you know, like that. Um I don't know, I put an arrow. It's just, it's such a sweet sounding song it, that it, it is maybe hard. That's what it's why to it's follow. Yeah, it's so hard to follow because it's like, oh my gosh, my friend died, and I'm gonna write this beautiful song for him about yeah. how sad I am and how much I miss him. When he's talking about how you know, like someone's in a stupor and you're trying to like 
wake them up before the cops come or, you know, you're about to throw the first punch or like. You, you got to read the words out of the music. Right. Right. I think Absolutely. That's super deep. So I put an arrow and I figured out what the, I didn't put a note with it, but I figured out what the arrow is. So there are lyrics in this song. I don't think that when I the first many times I listened, I listened with lyrics in front of me. OK, I do try to do that. So like I'm not stuck on the lyrics because you can get stuck in a moment. Yeah. <laughs> but so I re- I remember at some point reading the lyrics and it may it I think it was after I'd already seen the show live, but I totally did not get the lyric. But the nights you filled with fireworks, they left you with nothing. It doesn't sound like that when he sings it. And it's always it's so like when I sing along, it's such a force but it, like blurs it. together it's, a bit yeah but i love it because of that oh it's yeah but i really thought it, this made me think of it and this is i'm not sure i've told you this before but after the kennedy center honors um my parents dvr'd it and i watched it with them and i look over at one point and my mom is like crying and i'm like what the heck what just happened and she said because they they watch everything with captions on, which I actually do too. I feel like yeah. I understand a whole lot better. Same. But they had the captions for one, and my mom was like, "I'd never, I've never read the, I'm, I didn't know what the lyrics were. I've heard Aww. this song so many times, and I didn't know what the lyrics were." And that, I don't know why, it just reminded me. Yeah. Of like I I didn't know what the lyrics to this. I mean I I I obviously I mean I knew the chorus i i got the gist of it but i didn't know the specific lyrics like that like the fireworks lyric for for a long time and it's just it's gorgeous i mean but the fact that it's so forced to say it that's those aren't words that just go smoothly together no but they're the right words for for um the context that whole little verse there that's not a fight no it's not the night you filled with fireworks, I left you with nothing. I'm still enchanted by the light you brought to me. I still listen through your ears and through your eyes. I can see that's not a fight. No. So this is. Then he says you are such a fool. Like able to bring it back. <laughs> a segue into the right lyrics versus the wrong lyrics. I have been wanting to discuss this lyric since yeah. we started this podcast. And I think I've mentioned it a million times that on this album somewhere, mm-hmm. that is the biggest Bono misstep with lyrics. Yeah. Have I mentioned it before? What I what I, I thought know that you've talked about talking about it. I don't think you've yeah, actually said what it is. I didn't think I did either. I was purposely not. So the last lyrics are, and if the night runs over and if the day won't last and if your ways should falter along the stony pass it's just a moment this time will pass why pass and not path <laughs> stony path it, it's, it's, a, it's a stony path that's what it is you, it's not as it's he sings it pass it's in youtube.com as pass i mean it's in in live he's saying pass 
Yeah, it's, it's intentional. I know, but it's I feel like it's got to be intentional because the path would just go so much better. It's a stony path and it um, works. I don't like that the same word is used twice in, you know, within a, one lyric. Right. I just I don't know. It just it's it drives me crazy. It's driven me crazy um, since the first time I read the lyrics. Thousand percent, thousand percent. So I found this does not answer your question, but I found something that That's reminded me. That's definitely a question for over whiskey. Right. What were you thinking? Right. Like, like really? give us a good enough reason, and we'll say okay. Yeah. So this is from YouTube by YouTube. So these are Bono's words. He said, "Because I just knew that if Michael had hung on an extra half an hour." it would have been okay. That's the thing. When you're in that moment, you don't believe you can get out of it. You think that blackness that surrounds you will never pass, but it does pass. Well, that's that's a good use of pass I, for this time. Well, I'm, I'm not saying it was the answer. I'm just saying it reminded I me. I know. Because it is pass and pass. Yeah. Oh, that just breaks my heart, though. And it, it breaks my heart, but... I'll, uh, for many many reasons but mostly because i feel like we were there with him i mean we yes. were literally there with him when this was going on yeah and i feel you know very involved in that i mean i know what our reactions were and i know what his reaction was and just what mm-hmm. a devastating time two things personal one when i read the part about when he says i was unconscious half asleep that whole part makes me think of the dream he had that he told you about or he told oh, weren't you yes on pop mart yeah about he had a dream about michael hutchins yeah yes makes me wonder if that's related the other thing is and this is completely separate oh my um, god i never i never got that yeah something me, like what were he had a dream about him and they were arguing and he was like, what were you up to? Like what? But it was, it was more of a European saying than yeah. not like, what were you, but like, what was, it, I don't know. I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. I By never way. thought about that. Just hit me when you said that. Wow. And then do you remember, I know you remember this. We were in Dublin in a taxi heading to synagogue. Mm-hmm. And it was the day that internationally they were, remembering from the tree of life shooting and you and I were talking in the car a bit about guns and all the violence in America and the taxi driver said something of the sorts of like don't worry girls it will pass it's just a moment right and in my mind he said just that it's just a moment the time will pass it it has not but that's it has not but I'm like fucking Irish I know right (laughs) (laughs) they're either dramatic or they're not come on (laughs) it is not passed but i thought that was yeah god i'm really freaking out about i was unconscious half asleep i never put those two things together until you just said it yeah so i don't know maybe it's related to him specifically dreaming maybe it's some other imagery but in my mind it took me there he said, what were you about? Or what were, I don't remember, but it was, it was. Well, because he was, wasn't he yelling at you? 
he was yelling at me. About his own problem? In a better way than he's yelled at me before. Yeah. Yeah. He was emoting emotion in your direction. Yes, he was. And I was freaking out. I was like backing away. Yelling towards you. I don't want I don't want any part of this. But I'm glad I I was part of that. But I never got that. I'm freaking out right now, actually, because what if that is about a dream he told me personally about? Well, I feel like that's a good question for him over whiskey and cake. Yeah. I have no, I'm sorry, for the next song, I have no notes. <gasps> I don't know how I did that. How did I do that? I don't know. I got I a bunch. Disappeared because. I'm sure you had things. I'm sure I did. How, I couldn't have missed it. And not only that, but I listened to it. I listened to it through and then I went back and listened to it again. Huh. So number three, are you done with? Um, I am, yes. Okay. So next song is number three, Elevation. It's been played 537 times. I've heard it 42. I've heard it 40. That's a good round number. Yeah, it is. It's related. I fucking love this song. I do too. Love it. And maybe that's why I didn't put anything because there wasn't anything to say aside from I love it. I just. And I loved it since day one. I mean, I, 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 I don't really have a memory of listening to it, but I know that this was this, you know, this is one of my standout songs that I loved immediately. Oh, wait a minute. We didn't finish our, we didn't have our stuck in a moment. Oh, stuck in a moment drink. Cheers. Cheers. The goal. So I realize just in this moment, because I'm going to say this about a handful of songs. I didn't understand the power of the song until I heard it live. Oh, no, and no. I realized I hadn't seen them in an arena until this album. So I didn't understand that sound. The arena sound? Yeah, it's different yeah. than the stadium oh, sound. it definitely is different. And to, like, be on the floor surrounded by people jumping on a song like this is a different experience I've ever had in my life. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I fucking love it. I put, like, after Eclipse, you elevate my soul. I went, boom. <laughs> I've lost no self-control. Boom. Like, just the power. Yeah. Or the um, emphasis on those syllables that just go together like, oh, yeah. So, this song is the most like I don't know I feel like this is like the anti-U2 song um it's so like auto-tuned like Bono's voice it it, he sounds like Britney Spears in half that said I love it I'm not complaining about it but he really does the the well his voice was trash the the treatment of his voice is just yeah it's so much fun it's God, I love it. I love yeah, this song. It's great. The thing that's the feeling that sent him to the ENT is yeah. what I have. Right, right. I kind of want to like have a little solidarity with him. I go back on Friday to get another look at it. Do you? Yeah. It's better, but it's still there. I don't hear it, but like I went back and listened to, I don't know, a few. I can't remember what it was you told me to go back and listen to. Oh, it was our Vegas. It was oh. our Dear Diary episode. 
because I didn't we didn't record it together like it was right. just sound bites and I went back and listened and I I heard your voice a little scratchy there but I don't hear it when we're just talking, talking. Yeah. yeah I feel it I sent in a clip of an old app to a friend of mine mm-hmm. who's only known me like this yeah and she's like yeah that's your voice it's just not scratchy Huh. She's like, I hear, I hear that in you now, but there's a scratch to it. Like, yeah, I feel it. I have to clear my throat all the time. I have a hard time singing. Like, it's not fun. Yeah, it's better than it was, but it's not fun. Anyway, what do I have? I feel like I've got lots of. Oh, it's Edge's effect pedal. That thing is bananas. Yeah. Lanwad calls it his secret weapon. Let's see what it says. Eno conjured up the electric beat. As an undertow and Adam and Larry played on top of it, Edge came in with his riff and we were halfway there. They couldn't get anywhere further with Eno and Lanois, so that's when they went over to, they went from HQ to Wilma Lane. And they met up with some other producers who helped them finish it. And I feel like you can hear that. Yeah. There's no Eno in that song. It says, I know, it's like, how is this an Eno? So they went over and joined the forces of Ace Pop producer Richard Biff Stannard and his cohort Julian Gallagher to conjure up a kind of science fiction middle eight that provides a tenter interlude among the onslaught of elevation. I just love it. Mm. They said they created epic muck. <laughs> that sounds about right. <sighs> the flies in this. He's a star lit up like a guitar. Yeah. Probably a mole digging in a hole. It's what's that term called? The term for the words like that. A mole in a hole. No, the, like the flies in there, like a star lit up. Like it. Oh, the aphorisms. Something like that. Yeah. That's not right. But it's, there's some song in here Rabanos that he created his own, and he hopes that they take off. Anyway. It, it's like a like Sting talks about how he wrote every breath you take that he used like a rhyming dictionary and i assume i assume at some point most songwriters use some method like that yeah like think about bad i mean that's right right out of a rhyming dictionary i mean whether that rhyming dictionary is bono's head or an actual book but you know it's the same sound over and anyway um i feel like there's a lot of that that pattern in elevation. I mean, again, a mole living in a hole digging. I mean, like how you you get these words, cigar, guitar, like oh, I don't, sky fly. I mean, I think, and that's think part of it. It's why the song's so great. It's because it's such simple rhyme. Because you can like sing along so well with it. Right. Right. It, it, it is such a sing along song. I mean, you go to a show and everybody knows all the words right. and and even the and I know I didn't very much have noticed this in Vegas, but even the like I'm not sure what they call it in music. I know that in theater it's a demand cue, but like the last a mole living in a hole, yeah. like Bono comes in at the same time the music comes in, and that's got to be a hard thing to do, right? But the crowd was right. I mean, I noticed that. From when we were in GA, the crowd mm-hmm. was right on that. Like everybody knew that 
demand queue right of when to come in it wasn't like a delay of like they had to start at the exact same no, time if, if it, there was a delay you would have heard a mole a mole <laughs> <laughs> right and i feel like that's that's not average for a, a whole audience to be able to yeah sing like that <laughs> it's i hadn't listened to this song with headphones in a long time and i forgot how I mean, the end is so huge. I wrote down Sonic Explosion. I don't know if I made yeah. that up or I got that from somewhere. But, and then it just like, just like chills out. All a little pretty. Like, I don't, I can't Im- mimic it, but. Oh, it's, God, it's just, it's a perfect song. I did notice with the headphones that the, like, digital stereo sound is nuts in this song oh is it i'll have to listen again yeah yeah if you have um i'm sure your airpods would work i have these i have the i have those one of my kids has those you gotta listen to it on these yeah Um, i have noise canceling things it's not the noise canceling over ear but i'm I'm just saying oral whatever yeah yeah but it it's amazing because like the beginning is just like in your right ear and then like when the big guitar comes in it's in your left right. ear like it's it's just remarkable you know what other song it's i mean wild horses does that oh it's at the beginning it's, it's so weird and i was going back just the octave maybe real quick i remember being in my car and that's when i figured out one of my speakers was broken because I could only hear, I was like, what is just this weird part of the song? And I realized because it's split into two different speakers. So anyway, I digress. Yeah. No, I, so I've, um, the car that I listened to Octung Baby in, it had, I blew the speaker. I have two cars in my life that I've blown the speakers out. Were they um, both listening to Octung Baby? No, the first one was definitely... The second one, I don't know, but I feel like I was in some heavy metal phase. And it was just like a little like low tone, like (laughs) gone. Half my car was gone. (laughs) And it stayed like that. I, I, my car died like so bad. Like I, I couldn't, like I, I sold it for parts. Like it, and it wasn't even that. I mean, it was paid well paid for, but yeah, that really sucked because I drove that car for a long time and it just wasn't worth it to put more money into the speakers. Yeah, which I probably would have immediately blown again. <laughs> anyway, I love elevation, and again, that's why I'm guessing I have no notes because I couldn't, I can't top it with anything better than. Yeah, but you know, one of the things I love is Bono's so exact saying his s's yeah like a song so like at the corner of your lips as the orbit of your hips not easy it's not easy but he's but it's so perfect like the way he pronunciates his pronunciation of his s's is just it's like hypnotic well he does kind of have one job and that's to figure out how to sing things right Okay, so are uh, we done with elevation? Yeah. Slancha. Slancha. I will need more drink. Thoroughly enjoying my drink. 
Me too. You need to run, not walk, to a liquor store to get this honey jack. I will. It's amazing. I will. And if you see the apple cider, Evan Williams. I can't vouch for it, but the the cashier said it was amazing. Okay. Okay, so next song, fourth track, Walk On. I have to tell you really quickly before we really dive into the song. When I my brother my brother was born when I was in kindergarten. He does not believe the story at all, but I had the wildest kindergarten. I went to a school that had I was in morning kindergarten and they didn't have like a bus to take kids home from morning kindergarten. Yeah. Only bus to take you to school and then at the end of the regular day. So I was in Hampton. I had to, I live in Newport News and I had to take a taxi from my kindergarten to my grandparents store because they wouldn't the, the taxi wasn't allowed to leave like the city line or something and yeah. my parents store was in Newport News but it was right at the end of the city line so they dropped me off at the corner and I walked down the shopping center and um, like four <laughs> I was five four. I wasn't five yet I was four um <laughs> I took a so I took a taxi there were two people in my taxi. One kid went to a daycare and the other kid went to her home. This which, was like an organized taxi. This it was, wasn't it, like. And it was the same driver every day. It okay. wasn't like I stood out on a corner. and like, like your parents, like you can't just call was, an Uber. <laughs> right. It was, it, it was the same driver every day. He was a very nice man. My, so it was one kid that went to daycare, which I thought was wild because. It looked like, I mean, it had a playground at, at the daycare, and it just looked yeah. like heaven. Wow. Like, I wish I went, and I'd never, I didn't know anyone that went to daycare at that time. And then my other friend who took the taxi with me, her name was Erin. She was very Irish, and she lived in a hotel next to the Coliseum. What? Her father was the general manager, and they had an apartment. A full, super nice, like half a floor of a large hotel apartment. It was wow. like the nicest home of anyone that I had been to at that stage of my life. I mean, it was amazing. Wish her name had been Eloise. Right, right. It should have been. It was Aaron. Um. Anyway, so I then I would go to my grandparents' store. So I'm like, yeah, I gotta get in the taxi and go to work, because my grandparents put me to work. I mean. Yeah. You know, carrying little boxes or a pair of shoes to the back or something. Sometimes I get to count pennies and I don't know, but it felt like work. It yeah. wasn't like I wasn't coddled. It was, yeah, so I go to work, drop off my friend at the hotel in the taxi and go to work. But the guy that went to daycare, his name was Walk On. Okay. And I think his brother's name was Chappie. But anyway. It, it was like Q U something. Yeah. A H N, but it sounded like walk on. Walk on. And um. Anyway, I always think that I always think about that kid. Yeah. <laughs> walk on. Where he is today. I I don't know. It shouldn't be hard to find him because I don't think that was. Right. Um. Okay. So 
Walk On has been played 254 times. I've heard it 18. I've heard it 24. That sounds a lot. Like, it sounds like it was played more than I expected. Yeah. So, quick backstory. U2 was, and Paul McGinnis were given the award in Dublin, the Freedom of the City. If you see pictures of Bono and Edge with sheep in their lands or whatever, in their arms, that's what that's from. And another person that received the same honor was this woman, An Soksuki. Is that how you say her name? An San Suchi. Oh, there we go. Thank you for correcting that. An San Suki, yes. Okay. And so the band learned about her and were like, dude, she's the bomb. Right. And um, she was a Nobel laureate. She was like a hero in Myanmar. Yeah. Under house arrest. Was from, and I'm gonna mess up what 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 the countries were called there, but she was from Burma. She's Burmese. Yes. It was when she was born. She it was Burma. Yeah. Um. She lived in Oxford. Oxford educated. Lived in the UK. Her husband and son, stuff was going on in her homeland, and she decided she wanted to go back and do the right thing and stand up for democracy and all these things. She was under house arrest for a decade. I think it was about But she was the democratically elected leader. Um standing up for the rights of her people and this song is a tribute to her right she has since fallen from grace yes um, i was gonna say did, did she lose her nobel peace prize i think she did um she failed to acknowledge genocide and the treatment of women and so i mean she was on the right path, like she was a hero. She was a worldwide hero, right. obviously. Nobel Peace Prize. And now she's in jail. She's back in jail. And and not for human rights issues. It's kind of the opposite. Right. Not not because the bad guys didn't put her in jail. No. For re- for I mean I don't think they're for the good guys. I don't think they're great guys. It, there was a coup in Myanmar. Um, Myanmar. Yeah. Okay. I always, for some reason, say it wrong, but um, Myanmar. But I mean, there was a there's a lot of complications, but she did the wrong thing, yeah. and she had a really hard fall from grace. And you know, it, it's one of those things that I feel like. For you know, as much as you two supported her, I don't think I've ever heard them give a statement against her for the same reasons they supported her, which is a little questionable. But but I don't understand the whole situation as as well as I should. I feel like they might have said. Did they post something negative about her? I hope they did. Hang on. If if they have, I'm I apologize. Um, I don't know. I I I don't know 100% something. Maybe I feel like maybe maybe Edge said something in an interview or something somewhere. I don't know. But I don't think there was like a group statement about her wrong steps. And let me see what this is. 
Walk On is, by the way, my favorite song of the album. Yeah, there's an entire thing on YouTube.com. Oh, really good. Mm-hmm. So it talks about campaigning for like it, it's it's the story, you know, working with Amnesty to campaign for her release, blah, blah, blah. What was happened this year and in particularly the last few months, this we never imagined. Who could have predicted that if more than 600,000 people were fleeing from a brutal army for fear of their lives, the women who many of us believe would have the clearest and loudest voice on the on the crisis would go quiet. For these atrocities against the Rohingya people to be happening on her watch blows our minds and breaks our hearts. Good. It goes on for many more paragraphs, many more. And it's signed the whole band. I'll send it to you. Okay, good. I'm glad that makes yeah. me. Because we've recently discussed how they seem to have taken a, they've kind of been quiet about a lot of, bad shit recently and i hope that that's not yeah um that was from you like who keeps texting me just me so yeah but this song i mean i remember like after that i like couldn't i was like the song's gone for me now right it 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 definitely leaves like an empty feeling in my heart so Um, for sure that's why it's still such a beautiful song if you and unfortunately it unlike stuck in a moment the lyrics the meaning the music they're all they're all level yeah i mean they they all you can listen to the music and you can hear the story yeah you can you know look at the lyrics listen to the lyrics read the lyrics um and it so i get that but it's still my favorite song on the album like i just the lyrics everything it's just perfect one of the things I love about two things that kind of jump out on this album, we'll get to the other one in a little bit, but I love when they take a lyric out of a song and they come up with the album. Yeah. Name. The album I, title, like, yeah. Like Rattle and Hum is a lyric from Bullet the Blue Sky. Like, mm-hmm. I love that, that you have, you can't, I mean, you've got to listen, you've got to be really into the album to catch those things. Right. I mean, not like fans like us, but like a, you know a normal <laughs> right. a normal fan you know might not catch those things right away like i don't know how many of you know right away what all that you can't leave behind with the origin of all that you can't leave behind i mean right. i assume a lot because why would you be listening to this but but exactly. I, I want to know when we'll we get mean, to the next album and talk about that one yeah oh yeah um <laughs> i love this, it i love that part i feel this is iconic U2 and iconic Bono. Yep. The lyrics are straight out of the Bono playbook in the most beautiful way. I mean, this song could be on War, Joshua Tree. It It's that ballad, you know, that it, it is. You're right. It's so iconic, Bono. And such for such a wordy guy, he's so wordy, right? I mean, not in his songs, but like that talking and reading about there's some verse in some in the Bible somewhere about, you know, everything burns down and what is left is all you need kind of thing. And okay. um, and he goes on and on and on about it in, in the way that he does. But he's like, it's just all that you can't leave behind. Like right. this thing when you have everything you have, but I mean, all your um, material things like if you can't take any of that with you. What can you take? 
the only thing you can't leave behind is love. Right. What what I what I always took from that is I don't know, it was an old the an older generation, like my my grandparents' generation. I, I've heard so many people say, Well, you can't take it with you. Yeah. And you know, that's to what me I, that meant underground. You can't take that with you to your death. Right, exactly. Right. Or to heaven or Right. So there was a um <laughs> There was a Target exclusive that um, it was U27. Do you remember that? Yeah. It was like seven songs. It was. I have it on stealth. cassette disc. <laughs> yeah. Or it was a. Oh, a compact disc. Sorry. It was a compact disc, but it was called like a maxi something. I don't know. Yeah. It was. It was, it was an EP um, with seven songs on it. I don't remember what all the songs. Summer Rain. Big, Big girls, girls are best. Um, walk on stuck. And I don't remember what, but those versions of walk on and stuck. Stuck is completely um, acoustic. Is and walk on good? is a yes. very different version, but it is absolutely my favorite version Ooh, of the song. To listen to it. The lyrics and the music. It's just so much more like concise than I don't know if you find it. If you find that CD, I don't know if you can rip still or I don't know how that works, but I would love. I mean, I just have a, I just have my CD player in my car. Yeah, I don't have a CD player either. So I can listen to it in the car, but. I bet, I bet it's on like, you can stream it on YouTube or something, just like the audio. I'll, I'll find it. But it, the version of Walk On, it's just like, I don't, it's so amazing. But like at one point. It's like the music just stops and it's, oh my God, it's just so beautiful. And the lyrics are slightly different and and it just, I don't know, it's just a a great version. I love it. So I found this thing from Bono. This is from U2 by U2. He says, there's a passage in Corinthians that uses the image of a house going through a fire. And it seems to suggest that when in death, we eventually face judgment all that is made of straw and wood will be burned away. Only the eternal things will survive. For me, those things are fam- family and friendships, abstract things. They're not the things that you make. So at the end of the song, there's a litany of ambitions and achievements. You've got to leave it behind. All the fashion, all you make, all you build, blah, blah, blah. It is a mantra, really a bonfire of vanities, and you can throw anything you want on the fire. Whatever it is that you want more than love, it has to go. That's a really interesting question to ask. What are the things you want more than love? Oh, that's really awesome. I did put a little question mark at the bottom of the lyric, but the last lyric is all that you scheme, which felt a little like she really fucked up. It, It is. For some reason, I want to say that for like all of them, like in my head when I sing along the song. All that, you, like, scheme. All that you scheme, all that you scheme, all this you can't leave behind, all that you scheme. Like in Bad when he just keeps saying like the same two things over and over. I love the let's the line "Stay safe tonight." Yeah. Oh God, I love it, and I I say it like. Like I mean it. All the time. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, she left behind her husband and her son, which I did not know. Her husband died, I think, while 
he died, I think, in 99. Oh, so was wow. he still in prison when he died? I don't know. I So she, yeah, I don't know. So the letter that you two wrote on YouTube.com is from 2017. Okay. No, she's still in jail. She got like. Oh, yeah, I'm just saying that that's when like like the bats like that where they're like, oh, Wait. fuck. Yeah, yeah. She's not who we thought. So if he died in 99. I mean, he died before this album came out. Okay. Okay. Um, I don't know if she was in, in jail then or, or not jail. She was house arrest or whatever. It's the same thing. Um, I guess it's not the same thing, but she was imprisoned. Yeah, imprisoned. Yeah. I just, you know, but when you. I think the most. Iconic lyric when you think about, you know, her, her plight, her story is a singing bird in an open cage will only fly, only fly for freedom. Like yeah. that's just chilling. Absolutely. Obviously, we can go back to the compassion. It, it hasn't entirely been lost. Um, but it's hard to it's hard to do that. I've been able to separate myself. The song from her now. It was just so ingrained in us. Yeah. Oof. And I mean, um, 360, when they had those, those masks. That, they did thought they did on Elevation. That was 360? That was 360. Because I have a picture, of, and it was creepy as crap, but I have a picture of Chad and Allison in Las Vegas. Oh, yeah. With wearing the mask. And it's it's just like, I mean, they're he- <laughs> like the way that they, it's just creepy as crap. Yeah. It it's was, like. Her big head, well, not her big head, her head big with like the eyes cut out on like a popsicle oh. stick. Yes, <laughs> it abs- that's exactly what it was. And people did some horrible things with them. I mean, just like posing for pictures. Like, not horrible. My Disrespectful, mind maybe. <laughs> Disrespectful, but absolutely hysterical. Like, I just remember like walking. Well, remember, no, you weren't at that show. You, I'm, I know you were in Chicago, but you weren't at the s- second Chicago show. Because yeah, at the second Chicago 360 show, they had the red people yeah. walk around with the masks, walk around the stage, the okay. 360 stage, with the masks. And one of them was Mr. Snow Patrol. Oh, yes. I remember you telling me. Yeah. Because he stood there and I was just like, he, he just, he was wearing exactly what he wore on stage which was like this camo jacket or something i don't remember but it was really specific and i'm like huh and he went like that and i'm like is there so much it's mr which will forever be his name yes anyway again my favorite song on the album i can't wait till i just i saw it is on youtube seven is on you can listen to it on anywhere okay just google it but it's summer rain always Big Girls Are Best, Beautiful Day, Remix, Elevation, Remix. It was the Elevation, the Influx Remix, the the one that they came on stage for. Yes, the it's best got times, remix. Little times in it, and yeah, and then um, Walk On and Stuck in a Moment. But anyway, love it. Okay, so do we get to drink to Walk On? Are we done with it? I'm done with it. Cheers. Cheers. I'm really loving this drink. Okay, so song five is Kite. 
It's been played 106 times. I've heard it eight. Oh, I forgot to look. Hang on. Which means I, it was never played, at least at a show that I went to after Elevation. Because I went I, to eight shows for Elevation. Remember it being played, hearing that it got played, I think, during 360. I don't know that I heard it. Hang on. I can't find it. I heard it. Oh, I've heard it. Night. Well, I heard it 19 times. Let's see when they. They're all elevation, which means yeah. there's one show I didn't hear it at. It's I interesting. hate finding those shows. I wonder what. One show. Right. People love this song. Love it. I love it. They love um, it. I can't. I can't. I can't. cannot like it. Really? I can't. I hate it. I actually hate it. I am shocked. I love it. It's the, it's something about the, the strings in it. Something about the tone, the actual tone of the instruments. It like, oh, I can't. It like makes my chest do weird things. I don't know know if it's sharp or flat or what, but. I don't know what the technical term for it, but it's, it sounds, and I, I get it. I get, I know what you're talking about. I don't know the technical, but it's it sounds like it's I mean it's intentional. Yes, I it's feel in, like yeah. it sounds at the beginning it sounds like it's out of tune or something. Yeah. But I mean I think that that's what it, it, their intention is. I don't know. I know what it's called with like when it's drums, like the syncopation where you're playing off what the beat sounds like it should be. Yeah. But I don't know it's, what it's called when it comes to all music in in the song. I meant to look up the sheet music and I just did and it is it's sharp it's this yeah the notes are this and it's whatever the combination of them is I can't and sometimes Bono's notes are those in that same tone and I well the other thing is that it has a super weird structure because I think what is the chorus sounds like a bridge who's to say where the wind will take you who's to say what it is will break you yeah that's not your typical chorus it sounds like a bridge to me right which means there's two bridges in this song well the what is the the bridge and it's i'm a man i'm not a child that's what it's supposed to be i'm a man not a child but i don't hear it as that i hear it as what i believe is supposed to be the chorus that sounds like a bridge when when he sings i'm a man all uh-huh. I can think about is that Muppet movie, My Muppet of a Man. <laughs> <laughs> what I think of is like this. I am Muppet. My Muppet of a Man. Like, why is so, he proclaiming he's a man? He's. <laughs> there was this. This is so off. I don't even know why I'm telling. I, I do know why I'm telling it, but when I. When I worked in insurance, there was this guy that called to make a payment or to ask about his insurance or something. And I asked his name. I put his name in our system, did not come up. I asked his address, did not come up. Phone number, everything I could think of. And he just kept saying to me, I'm a real person. (laughs) And I had to put him on hold. And then I yelled throughout my office, this guy on the phone (laughs) is screaming at me. I'm a real person. And then... My coworker Stephanie kept saying, I'm a real boy, like Pinocchio. <laughs> and anyway, that's what I get from I'm a man. I'm a real boy. 
So um. I'm going to jump to that real quick just because we're talking about it. Because yeah. I know there's more arching, reaching things to talk about this. But Not a lot. I've got so many notes on this song. But that is like an iconic moment for him in general. And the, there's quotes from the entire band saying it's the first time in this entire recording that his voice was what his voice should be. Right. And um, that's that's old Bono voice. Yeah, like hitting that or note new, with that kind of clarity. Current, current Bono voice. Right. Yeah. Pre um, getting allergic to desert weed Bono. Right. Yeah. No, but it, it that's so my notes weird structure. So I had to laugh at this. Niall Stokes. It was a Niall Stokes quote. And it I love words. I love, you know, journalism. But sometimes, every so often, there's some, I read an article about something, and I mean, it can be in the New York Times, it can be, you know, Rolling Stone, I read it a lot, where it's like, you're just using words to use words. Right. And Niall Stokes said, um, with Kite, the opening, something is about to give, I can feel it coming, I think I know what it is, I'm not afraid to die. He says, it opens with a portent of doom (laughs) (laughs) and i'm like um but it it's pretentious it it, i just it cracked me up portent of doom he's not wrong but what a way to say that so one of the musical things i love about this song is the slide guitar and i don't usually like that i'm not a big yeah you don't no, but I really like it in this. It's it just like the slide guitar, I feel like, takes me on a musical journey. It's like, you know, you're like swimming or like, di- it's just, there's movement in this song that. You can have it. <laughs> yeah, it's all sorry. yours. <laughs> um, I would love to hear, I mean, like I said it with the whole album, I would love to hear Kite in today's Bono's voice. Like I think it would just be a, t- a just a totally different take. I think it would yeah. be so. As the story goes, Bono tells that the origin of this song is he took his kids, he took his his daughters to fly a kite on Kalani Hill, and it immediately crashed. And they looked at him and said, "Can we go back in the house and play with our tamagotchis?" Do you remember tamagotchis? I do. I never had one, but I remember them. My brother had one and my cousin had one. Um, I feel like they my sister playing. must have had one. Yeah, he he was feeling like an absent father. He was trying to create a moment. Right, and it didn't work. Yeah. So Bono said he had the same story with his dad that they went on vacation somewhere on a beach. And his dad tried to fly a kite. Yeah. I had the same exact thing. My mom took us up to the river to fly a kite. And within a second, it like got tangled in a tree and we left oh my gosh I mean it was just like it was a moment <laughs> <laughs> you know and nothing I mean we literally I think we walked up there we my mom you know got the kite flying and it went right into a tree and we just oh. walked on yeah we just left so I have that so Bono describes this and I thought this was super fascinating but he said this song is like an airplane letter. He said aeroplane. Yes. Airplane. An aeroplane letter. That like before 
a plane crashes when people know the plane's going to crash, they like write letters to their loved ones. And he said, you know, he wasn't sure of his mortality. And, you know, it was a tough time with his father being sick and Michael Hutchins just, you know, just died. And he wanted like an example of time of for his children. Yeah. And I really think that that in the last lyric that really comes, you can really see that in the last lyric, he says it, it he just like took a moment. And he says, did I waste it? Not so much I couldn't taste it. Life should be fragrant. Rooftop to the basement. The last of the rock stars. When hip hop drove the big cars. In the time of new media, what was the big idea? That was the big idea. Like, that's just a little capsule of, you know, like an example of what to tell them if he wasn't there to tell them. Right. Like, what was happening in the world today? Yeah. It it made me think of, like, when you get a baby book, like like when I had, you know, my kids and we got them baby books and there's there's a whole page. It's like, how much does milk cost today? <laughs> what was the that? headline in the newspaper today? And that reminds me of that. Like he called it a little bit of journalism. Right. Did you fill and, all that out in your baby books? I think so. My mom has a baby book for me, not for my brothers. And she filled out like two pages and then that was it which seems yeah. really at some point it just felt like why are you telling me what to do <laughs> 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 these are stupid things to tell me to do yeah but imagine if you had written down the price of milk from 16 years ago like can you imagine i mean i can't imagine what the price would have been then compared to what it is now right i'll have to look and see if it's in there he had a hard time writing this and Edge says he came in and helped because Bono didn't know what he was writing about, and Edge did. Huh. Bono knew, he, knew Edge's thought. I mean, Edge well, knew Bono. Well, because Bono thought he was writing to his kids, he was and it turns out he was writing about his father. Right. Heard that story before. Yeah. But, but it's into, like, like he revisits this. He, again, writes letters to his children. And it's songs of experience. He got better at it. Much better. I'm sorry. This I one sucks. It sucks. Really and I really <laughs> like, I'm so sorry to everyone listening to this because, and I was really like, I just need to hear it live. I just need to hear it live. And I rem- remember hearing it and just, and I think the first time I think I was standing next, I was standing next to a good friend of ours who just like, and our good friend, she just lost it just lost it like this was it and I was like it's not any better (laughs) no I might just hate it more (laughs) so that makes me sad I've never admitted that the only thing I love more than a song that the title is not in a lyric at all is a song that has the title once in throughout the song and kite, there's one mention of a kite. Yeah. And or like pride, the word pride is used once. Right. You know, like I love, I like that. Again, that's I just feel like it's. Well, it kind of like brings you to like nothing. Like like, kind of like the inception moment. Right. Like was thinking about this kite moment with his kids was that what made him 
start this song. Like, I don't know. I like what it. I'm with you. I like it. First, the like, I am sure that Pride, the lyric came before the title that he was like, what can we call this song? Right. And okay, there, you know, like, right. I feel like that was, you know, again, with this, with the album title. I feel like that was probably it too, that they went through and were like, what can we use from what? Yeah. Like what? Yeah. What defines this, these songs? I'm sure most people have a story about that kite, about the same thing, because kites don't fly well. I mean, we've had so many kites in this house and it's, we, we've always brought them home, but it's not some iconic moment with your no. they don't it doesn't work well no i feel like people got too invested in like mary poppins or something yeah okay are we done with i'm done with kite Lahaim. you and you've got your sip mm. we have one more song on side a and i have half a sip left for it <laughs> okay next song Song six in a little while. It's been played 150 times. I've heard it three, which surprised me because I could have sworn it was played on. I heard it somewhere else that wasn't elevation. I'm looking 10 times. Were they all on elevation? No, I also heard them in oh, at own five. For what show? CN, uh, it's, they were snippets. Oh, okay. I don't count the snippets. Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Omaha, and Salt Lake City. Okay, well, I went to all of those shows, so I assume that's where I got it from. But that's I've so only funny. heard it. I've only heard it three times. Full. It was a snippet, and I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Not, I cannot hear that in my head. My initial thing I wrote was, "It's adorable, and I love it." I, I, my original thing was sweetest. I just think I put it's Larry's consistent beat and Edge's sweet notes. So and those are my, and his very raspy voice. It's so um, Bono says he, it was sung in a voice that had been up all night. That he had quote misjudged his allocation of units the night before. It sounds like a voice in pain and it was so a funny thing. I have these new reading glasses that are way, way too strong. Like they're way. I don't know what I was thinking. When you hold them up, they look funky. They are super. That's how they look when they're on my face. It's like everything's like concave. Yeah. And um. Sometimes words kind of run into each other. I don't know what the two words were. I know one of them, but <laughs> I swear I read the word Christ. <laughs> C-R-I-B-S-T. It was Christ and something else that somehow like I see better with them, but words look also funny. Like, yeah, I feel like when I put them on and take them off, my eyes get crossed or something but i anyway that was my funny thing about it 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 is such a raspy voice it's it's gorgeous and it's awful in the same it's i mean obviously his voice is not supposed to sound like that but 
it also brings like a passion to the song that I don't think he he would have if he. I mean, not that he wouldn't have the passion yeah. to me. He he would, but it would be a different kind of passion. The irony of it all is that you know he'd been out all night and all morning drinking. He was out on a Thursday night, which was on brand for the aughts. Yes, apparently that, he that ran into the... an old friend and stayed out later, even later than usual. So he says it's an apology song. Um, he said, I had this idea of writing about the temporal nature of being, but setting it in a hangover gives it some comedy and earthliness that balances the philosophical pretensions it really is an apology song i'm good at apology songs i've had to be but it's like in a little while this hurt will hurt no more i'll be home love but like at the same time he's not home right (laughs) i apologize for not being home still still (laughs) adam says it is sung in a broken voice and believe me bono was broken that day i never understood the use of the word pram in the song because it's a baby carriage right and i was like is he talking about maybe one of his kids real quick in there but then he says that the kids at school called him a baby snatcher because she was a year because she was a year younger a baby snatcher but he's right i mean i read that too he's right when you're in high school a year is all the difference in the world i guess we would be called like a cougar (laughs) right but I guess like we, I mean, we talk about, oh, how old is somebody? He's our age. We're not the same age, but the older you get, the more, like, just like you said before, the right. the distance of time keeps kind of decreasing right. as you get older. So there's, I actually didn't read this anywhere. I don't believe, but there's a shout out to another song. Okay. Within this song. Do you know what that is? Hold on, actually. Let me I mean, know. I know. I I don't think so. Is it on this album? Yeah. No, no, no. Okay. Um, so I mean, is it not the Spanish eyes, is it? No, no that's another like, one. So yeah. there's two shout outs. So a man dreams one day to fly, a man takes a rocket ship into the sky. A man makes a picture, a moving picture. Ah, okay. Like from Lemon. Yeah. But there's more. Uh, there's a man, a man builds a city with banks and cathedral. A man melts the sand so he can see the world outside. Like, to me, that's straight out of Lemon. Yeah. I hear that. Interesting. I just have noted the same thing that it's from him watching the Apollo moon landing. Yeah. Which also, what is the video from Pop where they also reference that? There's a video from Pop. Maybe it's one of the versions of Staring at the Sun. Except that I feel like Edge has a banjo or something and Bono's sitting on a couch and there's the moon behind them. Yeah. It um, looks like a set. I mean, I definitely, that picture is inside the discotheque single. But it's from something. Well, you know, there were like 10 versions of Staring at the Sun. And then right. 
vivid right. video. I mean, there were there were three, I think, versions of staring at the sun, but I think it was one of those. I like this from um, Now Stokes. In a little while, drew a great vocal performance from Bono, aching, tender, and full of longing and guilt. In a little while, I won't be blown by every breeze, he promises. And he's got so much soul, you almost believe him. <laughs> I like that. It's I like it. I like it. Friday night run I running love to that. I, I love that just hit me in a different way. The Friday night running the Sunday on my knees, I can see that. Right. I love a visual. Yeah. Last year. We did it. On on A side. On the A side. I gotta get up more drink. Okay, I'll see you on the flip side. Okay. On the B side. On the B side. Okay, y'all, that's the end of side A. I just had this panic, like, remember when we did Unforgettable Fire and it wasn't recorded? It's recording. It's it recording. I, I just double checked it. But remember that? Oh my god, that was the worst. And we were with your brother. We did it with Jeremy, didn't we? We did with Jeremy. We had to redo the whole thing. We did a good job. Um, it probably was better that we redid it because we probably didn't drag our feet as much. Yeah. I'm going to refill my drink. Okay. You all listeners, chill for the next few weeks. Side B. It's coming soon. I know soon. you'll be like on the edge of your chairs waiting. What's going to happen next? I might be misjudging my allocation of units. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Okay. Until next week, y'all. Until side B. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. We'll be back next week with more U2ish content. In the meantime, keep chatting with us on social media at the underscore Garden Tarts. Sign up for our newsletter at thegardentarts.com and share with your YouTube friends. You can support us on Patreon, buy me a coffee, and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Kissing Lips and Breaking Hearts, a YouTube's podcast with The Garden Tarts, is created, produced, and edited by us, The Garden Tarts. Intro and outro music by December. See you next week.